this episode is for Sean. It's awesome to be back here on a Thursday night and recording. Yeah. It's absolutely we fantastic. We didn't even plan it. We didn't know. The reason for this impromptu broadcast, and this will probably go up unedited and unexpurgated, I'm just going to chuck this one out though to right. get it up, is that we have just this very moment got home from seeing Star Wars Episode 7, yeah. The Force Awakens. Michael that. came back from uni early. I did. So we could see it on opening Thankfully, day. Thankfully my course tutor is a big Star Wars fan. So understood. That's uh, that's excellent. Um, first of all... It feels weird to say Star Wars Episode 7. Oh, it's never weird to say Star Wars. Episode 7. Uh, well, that's not in any of the marketing. Because uh, apparently yeah. Disney don't like Roman numerals. At the beginning, when it does the cinema certificate thing, it just yeah. says Star Wars Force Awakens. Yeah, so... Well, if you think about it, when we grew up, we grew up with Star Wars Empire and Jedi. We didn't call them Episode 4, 5 and 6. Until the 1980 Laserdisc. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> anyway, the first thing we need to do is we are going to discuss The Force Awakens. Hence the the yeah. show. <laughs> this isn't planned. We wasn't going to release this one, but we're going to do it anyway. So if you've not seen it, don't listen. I can't put it any yeah. plainer yeah. than that. We are going to ruin the film. And there's a lot to ruin. There is. They did a really good job. They did. So here it is. Uh, we're going to talk about The Force Awakens. The day was kind of had a, a pallor cast over it, mm-hmm. because we are recording this on the day of release. We are also recording this on the day that I learned of the death of Sean Engel, who was a very good friend, and he will be missed. But honestly, I don't think Sean would not have wanted us to go to it and enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, So this episode's for him, as you heard at the beginning before the opening credits. Rest easy, buddy. I will miss you. I love you. And uh, I just hope wherever you are, you do still manage to get to see it. Because I think you would have loved it. And I do miss the fact that the fir- one of the first people I talked to about the trailers was him and Paul Spataro when we recorded Listen to the Prophets. And it saddens me deeply that I will not get to talk about the film with you. So, just rest easy, pal. With that out of the way, The Force Awakens. Yeah. Go on. Before we talk about it in, in, in specific, generally, what was your impression? Good, bad, meh. I really liked it. Yeah. I, get, I, I, know, I know there's the kind of joke that I'm down on things a lot, but... <laughs> it was alright. No, I, I really liked it, but it left me with quite a bitter aftertaste. Okay. Um, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I have quibbles. Yeah. We'll probably talk about them as we go through. But for the most part, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I've not left the cinema disappointed by a Star Wars film. Even the prequels that people like to bash on, every time I watch one in the cinema, yeah. I came out enjoying it. Well, um, when did Revenge of the Sith come out? Was that 2005. Ten... Right, ten so years ago. ten years ago. Ten years ago, uh, for what would have been the last time, mm. we went to the yeah. cinema <laughs> to watch like Star Wars Like in 1983. Wars yeah. And the the credit, the cinema certificate thing came on, everyone applauded, and then, duh! Yeah. And that, it's, and it was weird to sit down and have that again. 
It was weird to sit down and have that and not have the 20th Century Fox logo. Oh, yeah. Basically, it goes straight from this film as being classified, whatever rating, from the BBFC to a Lucasfilm Limited to production to mm. a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away to the Star Wars fanfare. Yeah. There's no bum bum. I hadn't noticed that, actually. Had you not? No. I, I, that was one of the things that kicked it off and there was a little bit... I mean, there's no love lost between me and Rupert Murdoch, but there was a little bit though that was that was a that little bit saddened that that wasn't yeah. there. It just goes straight into the movie. Yeah. But the minute that Star Wars logo fills the screen, I've said this before, that is always my favourite bit. Yeah. Because the the expanse of the movie still lays before you. You've not had any chance to be disappointed. Yeah. The Star Wars, the big yellow logo just fills and the screen the, and Lucas's Lucas's Williams's fanfare kicks in. Yeah, it's, and your excitement it's just reaches not fever fading or anything. No. It starts at its peak. Yeah, and it just goes on from there. The opening crawl I didn't think was effective as the other films. The opening crawl for this one is very insular. What I got from the opening crawl, actually, was coming back to what I was saying before about how tight lid they kept on it, and we didn't know, we just saw bits of it, we didn't know what it was about, and then in the first line of the title crawl, boom, Yeah, Luke Skywalker is missing. That's an entire story that yeah, we didn't that we've, know about. we've not seen, which is one of the things that they've, they've gone on record as saying, that in the original Star Wars, there's loads of throwaway lines, yeah. and in Empire, well, they're bounty hunter, we ran into our odd Mandel, changed yeah. my mind, so there's, the lives of the characters are going on. Mm. even though we're not watching them anymore. Now, with Star Wars, we have been watching them, yeah. thanks to the EU, but that has now all gone away. So for the first time in many a moon, yeah. we're going... Many a forest moon. We're going to a cinema, and we don't... I, we didn't know what we were going to get. Yeah, and was that them using the lack of the expanded universe as a storytelling tool? I think so. I mean... I, I, I sympathise with the people that lost the EU. I didn't really follow the EU post-Jedi, with the exception of Timothy Zahn's books, yeah. and the Star Wars, the Marvel Star Wars, and a couple and Dark Empire. For the most part, my Star Wars reading revolves in between the stories of the films. Mm. And by and large, it's mostly in between 3 and 4 and 2 and 3. I like the Clone Wars stuff, yeah. and I like the Darth Vader comes to power stuff. So that's mostly where mine's been focused. But even the people that love the EU, like Scott Ryphon, has said he understands why they did it, even though it gutted him that they did it. Yeah, because if you want to tell a story, you then have to go to an entire library full of yeah, books, you have comics, to try and, yeah, cartoons, You have games. to explain 30 years' worth of novel yeah. to the viewer that's coming in. And there's, let's be honest, there's a lot of exposition in this film anywhere. Yeah. It's mostly handled exceptionally well. But there is a moment where Leia and Han have a conversation that is, this is what we've been up to for 30 years. Yeah, but you didn't... They didn't need to get rid of it. No. What Abrams wanted to do was tell a story that was essentially, what would it be like if we grew up in the Star Wars universe? Yeah. And we've, we've not seen the films, but we've heard of them. Yeah. And that's what the films are. Yeah, the subtext of this film is you've grown up hearing of this myth of yeah. Luke Skywalker and that's how great still, the Star Wars was. And that still works if you don't include Han Solo, Princess Leia, mm. and but Abrams did. Now, I don't want to be dissing on him too much, but it feels like it did because he wanted to work with the films he grew up with and the characters he grew up with. And if, Which if, is fair enough. If you have the power to, then go ahead, but... You didn't have to get rid of 30 years' worth of other people's work 
just because he wanted to work with a couple no, they, of actors. they probably could have made this work within the framework of the EU. It still works without... I've not bit read of enough editing, of it to know. It works without Han and Luke and Leia. I, no, I don't, it doesn't work without Han. This film does not work without Han Solo's participation, which is why I think they probably bent over backwards to get Harrison Ford back. Yeah. And it, it comes as no surprise, certainly to me, that, big spoilers... Han does not make it through this film alive. Yeah. The, um, the Millennium Falcon itself is the biggest commentary. I said this to you at the cinema. It's yeah. the biggest commentary of the entire film. Not not Han Solo, the Falcon itself. Because the Falcon is an icon that represents an entire franchise hmm. to most people. And so... When you see that, oh, it's just a bu- it's just a bunch of rust, you know, we all have to make do. It's what a crazy. piece of junk. Yeah. Um, and then that's what gets them through it, and there's so many neat little Easter eggs and musical cues that mm. only happen around the Falcon. Yeah. And we get the return of Han and Chewie, and oh, we're home. And Han's showing his age. Yeah, Harrison Ford's looking quite craggy in this one. And then Han dies... And he gets the taken over by Rey. Yeah. Han, uh, the, the Falcon represents the franchise. Mm. Han represents the trilogy. Mm. And Rey now represents our generation of Star Wars. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good way of putting it. Yeah. Because it's, it's very much, it very much has its cake and eats it. Mm. It very much wants to be a nostalgia fest for me. It very much wants to be Anya's Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, and to the credit of Laurie Ka- Lawrence Kasdan and J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy, it achieves that. Yeah, I, I mean for every droid that that rolls around on the floor, there is setting up the new trilogy. And I couldn't, I honestly didn't recognise any of the aliens from any of the other films. No, there's no throwback aliens. I expected at least one in the cantina. Yeah, you, you expected like a a, um, a bosk or something. Yeah, yeah. Or a greed or something, but we don't get any of that. There were, there were certain times as well where like, obviously it's different, but I was getting a bit nostalgic to the films that I grew up with because of you, mm. but... You know, I I did remind myself, like, yes, I'm feeling nostalgic about this, but that's a different kind of nostalgia from what you would have had. Yeah, my nostalgia is actually growing up with them. Your nostalgia is growing up with the video. Your Star Wars is the prequel. Yeah, I I grew up with the end. Yeah, so you grew up with the end of it. Um, that's, That's just general ramblings. If we go from the beginning, it opens... Max von Sydow's kind of wasted. Who... Max Van Sydow's the old guy at the beginning. Right. Who um, Kylo Ren kills. Yeah. Um, the opening felt very stagey. Do you not think the opening looked like it was shot on a soundstage? I mean, it's very possible that it wasn't. Yeah. But it felt like it was shot on a soundstage. And I was watching the opening and going, this isn't boding well, this looks a little bit cheap. And it's only when Ray shows up that I just lost myself in the film. Oh, because Jakku is gorgeous. Yeah. Just, and just all the, the way it's shot. shots of it. Yeah, and all the remnants of the whatever battle took place at Jakku, which you tell me is in Battlefront, which yeah. I haven't played yet. So the Crash Star Destroyers and, and all of that. And I love... And again, symbolism. Yeah. We don't have those Star Destroyers that are similar but different. We yeah. don't have the X-Wings that 
different, and so the crashed remains of the the tie fighters and the X wings yeah. from the the old trilogy uh, symbolising that we've moved on, mm. and all that stuff's still there, and it's still part of the law, but that's okay. Kylo Ren's arc is okay. I as soon as he took the mask, he was he wasn't anyone until he put on the mask. Yes, but and the, the the build up the scene where he takes his mask off when he, he captures Ray and he's torturing her, and the build up like the reveal is going to mean something to us. He's just a bloke, and he's just a guy. He looks like he's walked out of a next magazine. Yeah, and it's it's he doesn't spoilers again. He's Harrison Ford. He's Harrison Ford. He's, he's Han Solo, Solo and Princess son. Leia's son, Ben. Is what he's called. Ren? Ben? Well, was it Ren? Kylo Ren. Alright, so maybe maybe it's Ren, yeah, alright. So, yeah, alright, fair enough. So, my thing with... with, He was... Obviously, they were going to go through the bit. They wanted him to be Vader. Yeah. He wanted him, that's, what he, that's what he wanted to be. He wanted to yeah, be Vader. Yeah, he idolises his grandfather. But they were toying around with he's got some good in him, he's got Luke in him, he's Anakin, whatever. Hmm. I mean, there's a very definite EU storyline, though. Yeah. The, the son of Han and Leia is obviously strong with the Force, hmm. Luke takes it on himself to train him, and fails, yeah. and he turns to the dark side. That's, isn't it essentially, that's what the EU did? Yeah. The, the my biggest problem with the Ren, though, is the second he smashes the console up, it's like, are we really doing this? He's and a petulant child. Take his mask off, and because he was—he's you know, like he was going for Vader, so he's quite badass and scurry, mm. and that's. And then he's a child, yeah, and he's a whiner all the way but through. But doesn't it. that play into the prequels? And I get, yeah, I get that what they were going with, but there's a character flaw in the person who is force sensitive. Yeah. And without a strong hand to guide him, he has become what essentially Anakin was. He's essentially a petulant child with too much power yeah. at his fingertips. Um, I th- um, I'm not sure if it's in the delivery or not, though. I didn't think any of the performances were bad. Because, say, like, Attack of the Clones, when they were doing essentially mm. the same thing. I love you. No, it's because I love you. Yeah, and I can see what they're doing. Yeah. They're trying to set up the seduction of the dark side, but Obi-Wan doesn't see what I really am is, is still, you know, lost in the delivery. Yes. And this, this, the performance of Kylo Ren, who plays him? Is that Adam Driver? I've no idea. Is that, isn't it? He's good in what he's got to do, but he's better when he's a faceless enemy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Rather than when he takes the mask off. Because it doesn't mean anything to us that we've not seen him grow up and turn to the dark side. Yeah. Which is maybe something they will do in the EU now. Oh, when when the, um, one of the last lines was, oh, we'll complete his training. They're kind of... Yeah, so they're, gonna, they're presumably setting up that they're going to cover Ren's backstory at I some point. I really liked that his vision of the Force was twisted, mm. where he assumed that being in the light side was a bad thing. Yeah. And so the last words was, I'll do anything, and he takes that as a... I have to do this. Then. Yeah, well, the minute that let's well, see, we're jumping all over the place here because our thoughts are still jumbled. But the 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 big scene is obviously Han Solo's death, and the minute that he takes his mask off and says, "There's something I need to do, and I haven't got the strength to do it." Yeah, I I grabbed all your mum's hand because I knew what was coming. Oh, so did I. I kind of, like, leaned forward. It was like, like no, Han. <laughs> the thing he needs the strength to do is slay his father. 
Yeah. You fool. <laughs> and so when he did, that was uh, the, the the disappointment though for me is we don't get a we don't get a funeral scene for Han Solo. Yeah, we get a funeral scene for Anakin at the end of Return of the Jedi. I mean, we don't really get one for Ben, but at least we get a moment of mourning on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, and then Luke's kind of upset through the rest of the film, and we get a, the Chewie going batshit crazy after oh, yeah, Han was yeah. killed was brilliant. But then we get one little and Leia hugging Ray. I I think that should have been Chewbacca, mm. unless. We're going to find out that Ray has a connection with them in a subsequent film. There is another. Yeah, and and this is one of the things that you talked about when we were walking home. The other six movies all work alone. Yeah, even Empire Strikes Back. Even as part of the grand tapestry that is the Star Wars saga, they all work alone. Yeah, this one does not. I mean, you point. It was a thoroughly enjoyable cinema-going experience, mm. but at the end of it, there's a lot of setup yeah. for the next film and presumably the one after that. Especially when we're introduced to things that are meant to be a big deal. Mm. Gaston Mark III, yeah, which is supposed nowhere. to be a big deal, but is not. Uh, Andy Serkis snowed Snoke. Mm. Yeah, whatever. It's supposed to be a big deal. Phasma. Yeah, Phasma's been built up as being this big deal because it's played by Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones. Doesn't amount to much at all. Mm. And in many ways, it's Harrison Ford's film. Yeah. And I think that's... Essentially, that's what, how they got him back. I mm. mean, he's not in it for the first half an hour. Longer yeah. than the first half an hour. I mean, to be fair, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley more than carry the film. Mm. The, she, in particular, is exceptionally good. Yes. And the little BB-8 droid serves the same function that R2-D2 serves. She needs somebody to talk to in all the scenes that she's on her own. And the scene where they get BB-8 to show the projection Mm. of it. And there is a ton of echoes for Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, visually and in the actual story, the way the story is constructed. There's a lot of references to the original Star Wars. Yeah, it's no coincidence that... The Jakku, the desert planet we start off is similar. Is to, similar to Tatooine. Yeah. It's no coincidence that the stolen plans are put inside a robot. Yeah. It's no coincidence that robot then blunders into somebody who happens to be a big deal. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's let's look at it from. I've made fun of Star Wars, you know, from a from a, an affectionate point of view. That that film is riddled with coincidences. Mm. Now, when I've done that, I've normally been when we picked up comics, and. Somebody has pointed out that that's a huge coincidence. Well, coincidences like that happen all the time in stories. If you're going to eliminate coincidence, you eliminate the story. Yeah. And this one is no different. It's a huge stroke of luck that BB-8 should run into Ray, who's force-sensitive, yeah. who's waiting for somebody on Arrakis, or whatever <laughs> the name of the planet is. And we never find out who that person is she's waiting for. So that's a loose plot end. It was, it's, I assumed it was her parent. Yes, and who do we think her parent is? Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. it's a huge coincidence that John Boyega ends up crashing his TIE fighter near her. Yeah, just as he's rescued Poe Dameron, whose robot that is. This is an astonishing level of coincidence I liked in this film. Poe Dameron. I yes. like Poe Dameron. No, but let me yeah, finish this thought. Uh, right. The only thing we can assume yeah. is that the Force <laughs> is somehow bringing all these elements together. Uh, the Force works in mysterious ways. Well, see, this is my thing now. If we follow the thread through from the prequels to the original trilogy and through to this, balance to the Force, yeah. there isn't a Sith and an Apprentice. 
unless the Grand Emperor bloke is some Emperor guy. We don't know anything about him. Yeah, because um, there was a bonus feature on the Blu-ray box set where uh, George Lucas explained the Force, and there's always a Sith and an Apprentice. Yeah, and there isn't in this. And they always overcome one by killing another by mm. getting the yeah. So, but also what there is, though, there is this Grand Emperor who isn't the Emperor, or he may be, but we don't know. That is another loose end. Yeah. And there's Kylo Ren, who's a Sith Lord. He doesn't call himself a Sith Lord. Yeah. But he says that's what he is. He's turned to the dark side. But there's no light side of the Force. There is no balance. Luke has turned his back and walked away, which I predicted. Thank you very much. (laughs) And so, basically, Daisy Ridley is the new hope, essentially. She's yeah. the force sensitive, not John Boyega. One of the things I did love Which, about again, this that I loved that it set up so that it was going to be Finn. And yeah, then, and then all of the marketing has kind of made you think it's going to be him. Poster with him with the lights. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. It's her. But I mean, I think clearly from the beginning it's her. Hmm. And the fact that she's an exceptional pilot and she's extremely gifted with robots and machinery, Anakin. Anakin yeah. I, it's obviously leading to the idea that she is going to be Luke's daughter. Yeah. But one of the things that I really was impressed well, with... Well, she's still waiting for... Maybe, well, yeah, because yeah. he's dead. Because he's bloody in Wales? <laughs> yeah, because he's got it in our island, or wherever <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. that he filmed his bit at the end. But one of the things that I really was impressed with was how good she was yeah. at commanding the screen. And certainly in the screening we just went to, the little kids loved her. There's a bit at the end where Kylo Ren has killed Han, and he's hunting... Uh, what's Daisy Ridley's character? Ray. Ray. He's hunting Ray down on the forest moon of Endor, but it is an Endor, but it's a forest no, moon. No, it's Hoth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want about the yeah. rebel base, not the... No, at the star. end when he's hunting her down. And they've got Luke's lightsaber at this point. Yeah. And he goes to force pull it towards him. And it starts shaking, it, and it just zooms right past him and ends up in Ray's hand. And there's a little girl just sat to the left of my wife, who applauded that bit. Yeah. Didn't she? She absolutely adored that. And she was like, she's got the lightsaber! And it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant to get her reaction from it. Mm. So she was absolutely fantastic in it. I love that all the bad guys are British. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, well, it wouldn't be Star Wars if they did that, would it? All the people in Star Wars are British. Yeah, all the bad guys. Well, Daisy Ridley was as well. But I mean, what was the Scottish guy? Oh, he's someone. Han Solo owes money to this Scottish guy. Yeah. And well, the Doctor's Scottish now, so maybe they've, they've gone out into the cosmos <laughs> and joined the Rebellion or whatever. The only thing that, that I was a little bit confused about on first viewing, maybe it'll become clearer on second, or maybe I'm just being thick mm. in the in course of in the whole emotion of it. it was a, we talked about this on the way home. So are the, the First Order right. are now essentially... The Rebellion. Yeah. Because they have splintered off from the New Republic, which is presumably Leia, mm. and they believe that by they're following the Empire, uh, that the Empire is the rightful ruler. So essentially it's inverting yeah. the first film. In the original trilogy, the Empire are the bad guys. But they're the not when you watch the prequels. Yeah, but in the prequels, they are just the they government. They are the government. Yeah. And so... It's it's essentially inverted that now. Whilst the Republic is now the government, mm. they are a government that are only in power because they overthrew the previous government. Yeah, whether they were right or wrong. Yeah. And there are people who obviously think that they were wrong in doing that, and this is now the First Order, mm. which I'm sure was an EU plot as well, but whatever. 
Now, okay then, so why is Leia leading a resistance against the New World Order if they are the government? Um, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, and those... Why when, is she not just the New Republic? When they tested out the Death Star Mark III and they blew up all these Republic planets, mm. it didn't mean anything. No, when that it, was the big weakness thing. When they blew up Alderaan in Star Wars, yeah. it meant something to us because Leia was from Alderaan. Mm. And by that point in the film, we'd got to know Leia. Yeah, because Alderaan was where they were going. It was yeah. the centre point of the film. Yeah, so in this one, they blew up three or four different planets at once. Yeah. And ultimately didn't really have any emotional resonance. It's just a bunch of Coruscants. Yeah, it's just a bunch of planets. Yeah. And it didn't mean anything to us. They didn't do a good enough job of setting up Death Star Mark III. That, yeah, they didn't do a good enough job of really setting up the central people in the Yeah, Empire. other than Kylo Ren... Yeah. And we're given an emotional connection to him through the fact that he's Han and Leia's son. Phasma's wasted. Mm. All of the British bad guys are wasted. Yeah. None of them are Peter Cushing. Yeah, yeah. None of them, none of them are as good as Taggy. Mm. Or the guy in, um, in Star Wars. He's got like two lines. You don't fight and frighten me with your sorcerer's <laughs> ways, Vader. He's memorable. Yeah. There is nobody like that in this film. Uh, yeah. The Empire did really seem like just a bunch of high-end fashion models. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, they've got nice uniforms because you know they're, they're the bad guys, and the bad guys <laughs> have nice uniforms. But that was that was quite. Yeah, I don't think they did a very good job of setting up the bad guys other than Kylo Ren and the new Emperor figure. Mm. He's in two or three scenes. We learn nothing about him, even yeah. in Star Wars. The Emperor is not seen but referred to quite a lot. Yeah. So by the time you do see him in Empire, you feel That's like you know payoff. who he is. Yeah. yeah. So then in Jedi, you get full on. Mm. <clears throat> Whereas in this, this guy's in two or three scenes, and we know he's Kylo he's Ren's leader, but yeah, he's just uh, sat on his big stone throne. Yeah. And we're not scared of him, and he doesn't really mean anything. I think the reason why they made him as big as he was was to try and make him scurry. Yeah. But if you're going to have a full-on massive giant, it's, it's not really... But is he only a giant because he's a hologram? Well, that's what I was thinking. We're going to get to the third one now, the big reveal, and he's this tiny And he's this actual size. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he was supposed to replace the Emperor, and yet the Emperor was a, a, a power and not a person. Hmm. He, he, he was never there. He was watching... Yeah, he was always behind the scenes pulling the strings. Yeah. Like, and that's kind of like what they're going for for this guy. And we're sat here analysing a lot of it, and it sounded like we're not enjoying it. But it's only... These are only little minor points, and they, they play into what, what you said, yeah. in that this is clearly setting up a new trilogy, as opposed to standing alone on its own as a the, film. Yeah, the, the ending especially, when... Yeah, when there's that big massive earthquake that just conveniently cuts Kylo and Rey yeah. off from each other. And the, when I thought, right, this is the ending, mm. was when Rey set off in the Falcon with Chewie, mm. and I thought, no, it's it's ending now. I, I do wonder, would it have been more effective to not have Luke in this at all? Just have the story. Just don't have it... Have it as a reimagining of Star Wars. Yeah, a which re is what a it re was. Yeah, it's a reimagining, remake, reboot kind so, of So take out all of the looking for Luke and all that. Just have 
Luke's story of training new Jedi's and Kylo mm-hmm. Ren, and then to and nobody knows where Luke's gone, and that's it until the second one. Yeah, oh, well, you could still have BB-8 and R2 yeah. the catalyst, but you end this film like Empire ended with the Falcon just taking off. Yeah, don't have that final scene where she finds Luke because that is, uh, I um, it's still quite loose endy with the whole mm. uh, Kylo Ren thing, but that is something I can kind of get behind. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we are a trilogy, and it, but it still works on its own if they take the bad guy away to fight another day. Which they did. Yeah. But it's the fact that we have a culmination of an event that we have only seen half of. Mm. It started the ending and then ended at the beginning of the ending. If you know what I mean. Yeah, essentially the, it ends with the beginning of the next film. Yeah. She's going to bring Luke back, Luke's going to learn all about Han and what's going on and all that. Because there's your title scroll for the next one. Yeah. It's been two years since Ray and Chewie set off on the search for Luke. Well, I wouldn't leave it that long. Because I mean, you could even just have the scroll for the next one be Luke Skywalker's rejoined the Rebellion. Yeah. And the, what I didn't quite get was the searching for these plans hmm. and it's a, a jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Multiple pieces and put together, and they say the one that BB-8. Had, it was not. It's only two pieces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I kind of assumed that maybe they'd pieced all the bits together. Yeah, okay. But they have um, the two pieces, and they say this one that BB-8 has is uncharted space. Mm-hmm. We don't know anything about it. There's a bit missing. Um, and then you have your other one, and they've got the line, and they all connect all the planets and that up. But then suddenly they're on the planet where he is. Mm. Suddenly they know exactly what planet to go to. Yeah, in a in a system where there's quite a lot of planets. Yeah, there's there's no need for that jigsaw and that, that trail that yeah, connects that, all the planets that together. That's obvious follow yeah. button, dotted line. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's like those the GPS. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, pretty much. She's just there. Hmm. I mean... Uh, the action sequences are all exceptionally well done. Oh, yeah. And it's nice yeah, to yes, see the Falcon I mean, again. The Falcon chase at the beginning. The Falcon Still chase is not brilliant. great on the Falcon being that smooth. Well, it's, it's not at the beginning. I mean, to be fair. Yeah, but when But it, there's another level of amazing coincidence, though. Of all the junkyard heaps that she should pick up, it's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. And Han and Chewie just happen to get there just as they need them to. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? There's an awful lot of coincidence in it. hiding under the floor. And there's an awful lot of it that they kind of, like the original Star Wars does, they paper over the cracks by just moving so quickly. That yeah. You don't really have that much time to think about it while you're watching it. Mm. It's only afterwards you're going, wait a minute. And it's... Because I did think, like, as much as I loved Han and Chewie in it, they are just in it. No, I see, I think Han, it's Han Solo's film. Yeah, but... There's no them going into the film, they just suddenly... Yeah, they just show up. Yeah. yeah, they just suddenly show up, we found the Falcon again. And it's, wow, it's lucky that you should find it just as the two central characters of this film find it, <laughs> one of whom just happens to have a robot that leads to Luke Skywalker. What are the odds? Yeah. Well, with the, the action scenes always great as they were, It's it was a great film, it was a great Star Wars film, mm. but it felt... I was very aware that it was a J.J. Abrams film. Yeah. It's not with all the good and bad. It, yeah, because it's not a bad thing. But when I picture the Millennium Falcon in space, it's Empire Strikes Back, mm. not flipping over and being a viper. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Falcon's always been able to whiz and dart and, and But it's stuff. never been so like that. Do you not think? No. I mean, how much is that is just CG technology that enabled them to do that now? Because for all of the saying it's all practical and it's there's not there's a lot of CG in it. Yeah. Particularly the alien faces. The, yeah, yeah. That, that funny woman who leads Ray to the lightsaber. The Edna Mode. Yeah. See, so there's another loose end. Where did that lightsaber come from, and how has it ended up in her possession? It's a story for another day. Yeah, that's well, she actually has that line of dialogue. Yeah. Which is like, really? That that you're gonna palm us off with that? <laughs> So yeah, so how did so that's the lightsaber that presumably fell to the floor in in Bespin? Yeah, yeah. Cause so he's got so, a completely different lightsaber. In yeah, he makes him, he builds himself a new lightsaber yeah. in Jedi. So where has that come from? Who got that? And how has it ended up oh, there? They're definitely doing Anakin if that, in that if that's the case. Then you think? Well, that lightsaber was Anakin's. Mm-hmm. Vader notices. Well, he actually said that that was Luke's lightsaber and his father's before him. So for then that exact same model lightsaber to show up in Ray's hands, mm. yeah. Well, that's what Kylo Ren says. He says that's mine. Mm. When it's it's no, he should have said that's my grandfather's because he's the one that he's got the mad crush on. Yeah, but he doesn't. I mean, one of the things that I did like he's about he's more layersome than Hans. Really. You think? Yeah, because... He's got Anakin's petulance. Yeah, but the, um, his fascination with his grandfather, Vader more than Anakin. Yeah, which it's, makes sense. It's the whole thing with the father and the son, but ultimately he's more Leia's child than Pan's, I Yes, think. because he's followed the teachings of the Force mm. and the teaching of the Jedi. So Luke's probably took it upon himself to train him. Now... It does say in the opening crawl he's still the last of the Jedi. So were there never so we, so is the implication that Luke didn't have children and Ray's not his. Because sure if Ray is Luke's daughter, then he's not the last of the Jedi, or potentially. Well Yeah. Inter. Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. ends with Obi Wan and Yoda Off in hiding. Separating Luke yeah, and from Leia. the force because of his father. Yeah. Right? And so, Rey is left by her off-screen parents on, on this desert planet, yeah. and then Luke goes into hiding because one of his students killed all the Jedi. Yeah. So oh, yeah, 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 you're right, yeah, Luke could start up a new Jedi Academy, they do actually say that. Yeah, and so, but then, his child, so to keep her has Kylo Ren killed a bunch of younglings? Because yeah. <laughs> that's, that, yeah, this is what I'm thinking of, essentially it's... To keep her away from the Force, he's mm. turned his back on it. Yeah. Why would he want his daughter to be a Jedi? Or he's not turned his back on it. He's gone into hiding like Ben did. Oh, and man. so essentially, they're just paralleling the first one. Yeah. So hopeful. I mean, nobody lost a limb in this one. Yeah, I thought. Um, I thought she cut Kylo Ren's hand off at the I, end. Yeah, because something rolls away. It's his lightsaber. Oh, Because when he goes down on the floor, you still see he's got both hands. Right, So right. the only person who loses a limb in this is C-3PO, and he loses it off camera. Yeah. When it starts, he's just got a new arm. Mm. See, one of the things people were concerned about, well, we've already got an R2-D2, why do we need a BB-8? But R2-D2's not in this film. Wait, yeah. Um, oh, well, he is in it, obviously. But we saw him, and he'd essentially, he just... He essentially committed droid suicide. Yeah, when Luke goes away, R2 shut down. 
And so is the implication, though, that R2 has been programmed by Luke to shut down until such a time that both pieces of the puzzle can be brought together that works. and then he wakes up? See, I, I just got Luke went into hiding and R2's really sad about it. But yeah, that makes that's more the sense, implication yeah. at first. <laughs> but then BB-8 walks up to R2 like he knows R2. Yeah. Like he's been programmed to recognise R2. Similarly, and that's when R2 wakes up. And that's when R2 yeah. wakes up. Which is similar to the first one. R2 knows where he's going. He knows who Obi-Wan is mm. because of the prequels. Yeah. I wonder. I want to. Maybe R2's just out of commission in this film because they don't want to answer the question of does R2 know everything and did he ever tell Luke? Because <laughs> that would be quite. Yeah. Uh, that's a conversation I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you knew all along? Could it be. <laughs> You bastard! So that's that was quite amusing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much to digest and then actually talk about when you've actually structured your thoughts on it. But then the because we've only just walked out of the cinema. Yeah, there's so much to talk about, but at the same time, there's so little of that to talk about. No, I th- there's there's an awful lot though for you to play with and chew on in regards to where you think they're going to go next. I will pay any amount of money, mm. like. I will bet any amount of money that everything we've said about Ray, Luke, is right. To what, that Ray is his daughter? Yeah. yeah, well, everyone was posting that whole Kylo Ren is Luke bullshit on the internet before it came really? out. Really? Yeah, every, but the, other, the more sensible guesses were it's Luke's son or it's Han's son and Leia's son. So that was, I mean, and that was pretty obvious. Hmm. Going into it, he was either going to be an offspring of Skywalker. Yeah. Either way, Luke or Leia. Excuse me. So that wasn't really that big of a surprise, and it does seem it, it, and it felt weird because it wasn't dealt as though it was supposed to be a surprise. No, well, that's they the just thing say with... your father Han Solo. Yeah, they just throw it out there, don't they? Mm. They just toss it off as a line. Your, your father Han Solo. It's not a big reveal. It's not an "I am your father" moment. Yeah, it's just tossed off, and he just refers to his grandfather just casually, mm. which makes sense because he would do. He wouldn't say "My grandfather yeah, Darth Vader." He doesn't know he's in a movie. Yeah, so so all of that I didn't mind. Um, my thing. I can't. I don't know where I was going to go then. I had right. a thought. And I don't know where I was going to go with it. Ultimately, it's not a disappointment by any stretch of the imagination. No, it's not. But it's not a complete film. It's not a complete success either. It's not Empire. No. And there's some of the reviews have been all very. It's as good as Empire. It's better it's than Empire, and it's not. It's not because Empire is a perfect movie without an ending. Mm-hmm. This is. A, a, an enjoyable this is a good movie with lots of loose ends yeah this is a good movie with a flawed ending in that it doesn't have one it's it's got an ending it's got an ending that tries to be Star Wars and Return of the Jedi unfortunately yeah. it doesn't have any of the emotional resonance of the destruction of the Death Star in Star Wars yeah I mean even in Return of the Jedi you can argue they're gonna blow up Endor all of our heroes are on Endor yeah it feels like it wants to be Return of the Jedi and Revenge of the Sith, but you can't do that with the first mover. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You have to kind of earn yeah. where you're going with it. And it's it's not as dark as Empire. It's True. not as dark as Revenge of the Sith. I, I wouldn't, would you give that a 12A? I don't know. I'd have given it a PG. What was 12A about it? 
the opening, I guess, was... But it's, it's blaster fire shooting. It's, it's nothing that's not in the other ones. And they've got a you. And they burn villages and <coughs> shoot oh, and execute Yeah, but them. do you see them people burning alive? No, like yeah, you do in right. Revenge of the Sith. The only thing I can think of that would even push it over to that is he's got that like cross thing at the bottom of his lightsaber. And he cuts And he digs it into Ray's yeah. shoulder, doesn't he? Yeah. Or Ray's shoulder. And he kind of twists it, yeah, like he's he's torturing them a little bit. Well, that plays into the new generation. Mm. Return of the Jedi is a more friendlier, child-friendly film, but there's still dark bits. Yeah, there's well, the Empire bits, yeah. but it's still a fun film that's more aimed at the younger generation, and that's essentially what this is, but to the next level. Well, they've not spent four billion dollars to just appeal to the forty-year-olds. Yeah, they need to get a new audience, or it's not going to work. Mm. And it's it's ultimately it's going to be interesting to see how it does well, play. Plays into didn't oh, I saw it on Facebook like which nostalgia owns Star Wars? Or something it was a good like article that. That, actually. Matt and, Taylor posted that. Yeah, so that which pr- group now owns Star Wars? And yeah, basically, the answer was we all now do. You feel nostalgic because you grew up with it. I feel nostalgic because I grew up with it. And now all these kids are going to feel nostalgic in ten years' time because they, they grew up with it. it. Well, that's it's multi generational now. Yeah, multi generational saga has itself become a multi generational saga. Yeah, there's now like what th- three, four generations that all have their own Star Wars. Mm. See, it's going to be interesting whether Disney can do what George did. Yeah. which is have the willpower to leave ten years in between movies, or whether they're just going to go wham, straight into 7, 8, 9, straight into 10, no, 11, 12. That's, it's now become a business. Yeah. And well, we, it was oh, George managed to manufacture a good business out of it, yes, but, but he had the, the sense to let he, it lie for a bit. As much as he was, he wanted the money for it, he had artistic integrity. Yes. He did it when he wanted to do it, and he did what he wanted to do. Mm. Now, we've just seen episode seven, but there are two other Star Wars films in development. Rogue Nation or Rogue, Rogue One, One is filming. Which I'm, I'm honestly quite excited about, but it's still... Yeah, who cares about who stole the Death Star plans? I suppose. Who gives a toss? Is that what it's about? Yeah. The only reason I would care about that film is right. if it was the Rebels, the cast of Rebels that stole the Death Star plans, right, okay. and they all get killed. And it's a <laughs> season-long arc, and it ends with them dispatching the... Um, Ezra dispatching the plans to Leia and dying in the process. And you end Rebels like Black 7 with them all dead. Because otherwise, you can't then have Luke Skywalker be the last hope. Because you've got Ezra and you've got Kanan. Right, okay. That's yeah. that's the only way I would care about Rogue Planet or Rogue One or whatever it's um, called. We've got Han Solo as well. We've got the, the young Han Solo movies coming along. Yeah, which, They're in script stage. Why are you going to have him? I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I could be seeing something Abrams never wanted. But why have him represent an entire generation and kill that off? If you're then just going to have... If you're going to have young Han Solo movies. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, 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 of them... I'd, I'd, I'm Selling kind of uncomfortable Star Wars to Disney is both the best and worst thing that's ever happened to Star Wars. Well, we can't really say it's worse yet. We can't, Let's see what yeah, we're like in 10 right. years' yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what the overkill factor's but like. We were just saying, like... We said earlier it was great to sit in a cinema and see the the Star Wars long time ago in Galaxy Far Away and the John Williams score. Hmm. We're going to get that every couple of years now. Yeah, episode eight's already filming. Yeah, 
Uh, we got uh, uh, with all the spin-offs. See, that's the, I was saying that. It's to you, not Mom. going to be a special thing to see that. Yeah. Well, well, are the other movies even going to begin like that? You know they will. What with an opening crawl and a Star Wars, the big Star Wars logo? Because if they, if, they, if you're going to mix it up, they're the ones to mix it up in. Again, what I liked about this one, coming back to the beginning, it started with the Star Destroyer. Yeah. It, though this one very definitely, like you say, there's very definitely Abrams-isms. Yeah. There is a lens flutter. Yeah. Isn't there? Because I kind of went, oh, dear. But it has to visually mirror the style of the prequels and the original trilogy. It can't be a jarring change. It can't be Star Trek 09 compared to Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Which are two completely different visual styles. Mm. Star Wars has to follow... Episode 7 has to follow visually in some way the other six chapters yeah. you don't have to do that with Rogue One or I Rogue watched, Nation what is it called Rogue One Rogue One thank you I, did, I watched them I watched all six of them again mm. and I watched them in the machete order mm. which I think is actually the, the the best way to watch it okay in my opinion alright because <laughs> um, with that it's essentially Star Wars is a three filmed story Mm-mm. with supplementary material along the way right the, tril- the prequels are just a footnote, and it works. Hmm. But, um, yeah, with watching that leading up to this one, it's this is a continuation of Return of the Jedi. Hmm. So if you watch it in release order, and you end with Revenge of the Sith, you've got all this flashy, bright, futuristic stuff, and then you go s- straight into a worn universe... Yeah, so essentially episode 7 has made it so you have to watch them in number order, or machete order. Yeah. This doesn't work straight after Sith. It, it works after Return of the because Jedi. Because it follows the same, what what Lucas was going for in the original. It's a used universe, mm. and it quite clearly is in 7. I, did you think, I didn't think it achieved that as well as Star Wars did. But I don't think any film has achieved that as well as Star no, Wars did. No, it didn't did. achieve it as well as Star Wars did, but it achieved it. Just because the rebels, their ex-wing fighters, all looked like shiny, and they, although they will do, because they're the because government. They are, yeah. yeah, but so then again, the works. empire all looked like. Yeah, but so was the empire getting its funding from? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense for the empire to have all this flashy stuff because they are because they're yeah. the government. So now it makes sense for <laughs> the resistance, Princess Leia, General Leia, whatever, to have all of the money. Yeah. Because she's now the government. So why the Empire? So we're, we're the, the new First Order got the, the shiny natty uniforms and, and TIE fighters from. Who's building their Death Stars? I mean, Who's funding them? They could go with, oh yes, Snoke is... Uh, very, very rich. He's, he's part <laughs> of the government, but then that doesn't work because they didn't see it like they did Palpatine. No, he's not going to be impressed that Death Star Mark III's just blown up, is he? He's... <laughs> Yeah, see, my problems with, I think, the more we've spoken about it, I know what... Yeah, the more you pull it to bits, the more you can pull it to bits. Yeah, but what I've realised in having this discussion is that all of the flaws in that movie come from the Empire, or the First Order. Yeah. All of the flaws in it come from the fact that it is very clearly setting up a new trilogy, Mm -hmm. and it's not its own story. And there's an awful lot of it where they've either thought, that's for episode eight... Hmm. or they have deliberately gone well we don't have to bother explaining that in our movie we can leave that as a loose end for the next guys and I said this to you outside the cinema Star Wars was written because George Lucas wrote a film 
thought the first third of it was the best, and so decided to work in it as three separate movies. No, he didn't. He rewrote that script. That's what he said. Yeah, that's what he says. I don't so, believe okay. it for a second. Let's just uh, let's assume that let's the, assume the myth is reality. What they're doing with this trilogy is taking um, one story mm. but spreading it out over three films. It's the opposite. It's kind of the opposite of what I thought they were doing. See, well, yeah. Because the next film isn't directed by J.J. Abrams. Is it and not? It's, nope. He's and already it's, given up on it. He's only doing the one. The What's next. the point then? Uh, I cannot for the life of me remember who's doing the, the next one. It's the guy one. who did Godzilla. Is it? I'm, or is he doing Rogue One? I don't know. I can't remember. The, I know the guy who did Jurassic World's doing one of them. In that case, what is the point? Well, all three of the originals were directed by different directors. But they were all... So has Abrams got nothing to do with the next one, then? Um, apparently not. I mean, he's, he's left loose ends for the people to pick up on. But one of the things that, as well, was this a bad robot production? No. Or was he director for hire on this? I think he was. I didn't oh. see the bad robot logo. It was certainly it's not at the beginning, I, like um, it is with the Star Trek and the Mission Impossible movies. I feel a little more uncomfortable with this now. So J.J. Abrams is just director for hire on this one. I mean, he, he's done some working on the script, he worked with Lawrence Kasdan on the script, but as, as far as I'm aware, feel free to email in and correct us if we're wrong, lovely listener, but as far as I'm aware, this isn't a bad robot production. Right. He's a, he's a director for hire, and after he's done this one, he's fulfilled his dream of directing a Star Wars movie, and he's out the door. Hmm. Now, whether he'll have a consulting gig on the other ones, whether he'll get a, a story credit on the other ones, I don't know, but... As far as I understand it, the next episode is filming and has been... They've talked to each other. Yeah. They've thrown ideas the way of the person who's going to do the next one. And one would hope they have, because there are far too many loose ends yeah, in this one to just leave them dangling. That's one of my biggest but problems Lawrence, with But Lawrence Kasdan's not writing the next episode either. Lawrence Kasdan's wrote the new the young Han Solo flick, but then he said that's enough Star Wars and he's off. Right. So it's not all been written down and mapped out by anybody. No, I really don't like this, this now. You're not enjoying that now? No. Because <laughs> what we were saying, it had so many loose ends as always written for a trilogy, but it wasn't. No, it's been, they've left those loose ends for other people to come in and tie and up. It's not as though they're loose ends to be tied up, they're loose ends that need to be tied up yeah, the, by the person who wrote them. Yeah, it's not one of those things where we want a book explaining this minor event because yeah. it would be fun to know what happened to the bounty hunter and Art <laughs> Mandel. Yeah. That, I mean, we don't need to, but it would be fun to read that adventure. There's a lot in this, like you say, that needs wrapping up for it to be a satisfactory Especially story. Especially if you're going to end it like that. Yeah. And our 7, 8, and 9 just going to be a story? What's 10, 11, 12 going to be? Is 10, 11, 12 going to be raised kids? How's that going to work? Yeah. When they Because they, they've abandoned George Lucas's outline. Yeah, they have. So this was a completely different script. Nothing to do with what George originally had. Have they said what the outline was? No. They've, they've not just said they, they may have took one or two themes and ideas from it, but they've gone their own way. Right. So... Ooh. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. On the whole, it, it gets a thumbs up. Yes. It certainly was not a disappointment. And there were moments of it that felt exceptionally Star Wars-y. Mm. And the performances are all universally good, especially Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Harrison Ford's very, very good in it. He's kind of made up for Return of the Jedi that he sleepwalked through. Did he? Do you not think? 
I think he just kind of showed up, said his lines, and went home. I, I was watching it going, he's alright, but Empire Strikes But he's, he's not got a character, though, in Jedi. He comes out of the Carbonite, and then for the rest of that film, he he's doesn't have there. a single... Se- he's just there, yeah. He doesn't have a serious line in that movie. Yeah. And the rest of it, he's not got a character. Yeah, I suppose. But this one, at least he's got a character. He's got a reason to be there. Yeah, I think uh, for Han Solo, Empire is the best for that character. Mm. But this one, This is his story. This is his film. In Force Awakens, it was nice seeing Star Wars Han Solo. Mm-hmm. You never tell me. Okay, that was Empire. Yeah, but, tell me the odds. Yeah, he felt like the Han Solo that we were first introduced to. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I was a bit concerned about. Was that was he going to be? Were they going to undo his story arc from mm. Return of the Jedi to make him work in this? And they kind of sort of do, but at the same time they don't. It's another one of those have their cake and eat it things. Yeah. he's He has been with Leia, they had a child, the child's turning to the dark side tore them apart. Yeah. And he went back to the only other thing he knows what to do, a smuggler. So, like, my implication of that was, there was well, not my assumption of that was they were still together... But they were separated. For I a don't while. get. No, I don't get that they're together because Han actually says Leia doesn't want to see me. Yeah. So the what happened with Kylo Ren ripped them apart. Right. And there's an implication that maybe she blamed him. Maybe Han blamed Luke. Yeah. And by extension, Leia, because without them, the kid wouldn't be force sensitive. Mm. They didn't go into that enough. They were they were a bit too chummy. Yeah. For a couple that have split up because of what happened to their son. And, but I did love the bit where Han gets killed and Leia crumbles. Mm. So like she feels that disturbance in the With force. Because yeah. it does beg the question, did Luke feel that? And so there's another thing as well. Maybe it would have been better then for Luke just shows back up at the end. They don't go looking for him. They get back... Yeah. And it's a couple of months or days later or whatever, and he just shows up. I just remembered something as well to back up the whole Luke Ray thing. Mm-hmm. The line of dialogue in I can't remember if this was in the film, but it was in the trailers. There's the line of dialogue in Return of the Jedi. I, the Force is strong in my family. I it's not it. in the film. My sister has it. Now you have it. Yeah. I, yeah. So that's is that what he says? Isn't it just? Isn't that line just taken from Return of the Jedi? No, because I've I watched all the trailers again this morning. Right after having watched Return of the Jedi last night. Mm. And that they've added that last bit on. Oh, he's re-recorded it? Oh, the, yeah. Right, okay. See, I've not, I didn't re-watch the trailers. Yeah, so that line is either cut out of it, or it's in the second one. Right. Oh, it was just for the trailer? But even then, why even bother including it? Well, it's just the nostalgia thing, isn't yeah, it? But and it, it caused a lot of discussion, because he says, my father has it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, why bother including that extra bit? Why not just cop, like copy the audio from Return of the Jedi, why add that extra line of dialogue if you're not going to use it in the film? Right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Uh, just for the trailer. Anyway, have we exhausted that? I think so. Oh. I, I, I'm not sure. I think we could still carry on. <laughs> we could probably carry on, but we may end up just going round in circles with it. So, 15 uh, minute talk, my yeah, Well, 15 minutes. Yeah, plus the rest. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you enjoyed that rambling first impression thoughts about The Force Awakens. We will probably maybe come back to it at some point in the future when we've seen it again. Yeah. 
when we can pause it and... When we've seen all three of them. Over-analyse it. Oh, bloody hell. That was horrible. <laughs> Come back in four years. We'll have such about. high hopes. Yeah, we'll, when we talk about the others and, and what we say. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. I know we did. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Uh, we'll be back... Uh, at the end of this, in, the, in between December, at the end, last week of December, we've right. got a Christmas episode to do. Those are the comments. Alright, I'll have to read that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see you then. Yeah. Bye bye. Goodbye. Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production and a Two True Freaks presentation. Episodes drop intermittently. It's hosted by Andrew and Michael Leyland. All sound clips and music used in the show are for review purposes only, so don't sue us because we talk over them, so it's not like people can rip them off. Correspondence to the show can be sent to heykidscomics at virginmedia.com, which is the email address, and you can Facebook friend me on heykids as the first name and comics as the surname. Thank you.